welcome all of our campuses to the sixth and final week of our series entitled Fearless. Come on, let's just welcome all those campuses. Baton Rouge to Biloxi, all those online, our new campus in Atlanta. Man, we are so excited to have you with us. So we are finishing uh, a six-week series. I've been teaching the first Thessalonian letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Now, if you haven't been here uh, the last six weeks, two or three times a year, I will teach through a book of the Bible. This particular book, which was a letter, Paul wrote this in Corinth to the church at Thessalonica. Why did he do that? Well, first of all, it was the first church that he planted. Man, he was a father. He was happy, excited. This church was growing. It was vibrant. It was expanding. And yet there were some challenges. There was some opposition against it. There was some persecution. There were false teachers that were coming in trying to teach some false doctrine. And Paul wrote this letter to address that. And he addressed it to stay, stand strong. Stay strong in your faith. Stay strong in the truth of the word of God. Matter of fact, it's interesting as I begin to think about this. You know, we talk about chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. By the way, there was no chapters and verses when Paul wrote these letters. You realize that. It was just a letter. It was like you and I would write a letter today. And yet Paul got to the end of what we would now call chapter 5, the last part of chapter 5, and it's really the last 10 or 15 verses. And as Paul began to hone in on those verses, it's almost like, let me say it this way, it's almost like if you drop the kid off at college and you've got one minute left to tell them something before you had cell phones and call them before you got out the parking lot. And what would you say to your son? What would you say to your daughter? Paul takes 60 seconds. It's what it calls. It takes about 60 seconds to give what I would call spiritual encouragement to this young church. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is some good stuff. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As Paul begins to outline to this young church, the last verses, the last few thoughts of how to live spiritually vibrant. We at Church of the King want to be a community of believers with real authenticity before God, serving a real God. We believe in real promises from God. We believe in the real power of God. And yet one of the things that we've learned as followers of Jesus is, and I want everybody to hear me at every one of our campuses, is that spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentionality. You show me a believer, you show me somebody that's vibrant in their faith, you show me somebody that's walking with God, they're progressing in their walk, and I'll show you somebody that's implementing the word of God. I'll show you somebody that's applying the scripture to their lives. So here's what I want to do. It literally takes, and you guys can look at it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. Matter of fact, you ought to do this after service today. Don't do it during church. But it literally takes 60 seconds if you start in verse 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and go all the way to the end. So here's what I'm going to do. Paul gives us four different categories. He's sending us off to college. And he gives us these four, what I would call, big encouragements. Number one, you guys ready? Say yes. All right, here we are, finishing up. He's writing these last few things, and here's what he would say. Number one, I believe Paul would say to us, live peaceably with one another. 
Look at verse 12. And we urge you, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sakes. Be at peace among yourselves. I think there's four attitudes that Paul would give us here. Number one, he gives us an attitude toward others. It's interesting what Paul says here. So that we can be at peace among ourselves. Peace is a lost commodity, I think, in our culture today. It was something that they were grappling with in their day as well. They were being opposed for the gospel. They were being persecuted for their faith. They were being hindered. They were dealing with adversity. There was anything but peace among themselves. And Paul began to give them some keys. He began to give them some clues. Number one, here's what he said. He says, know those that labor among you. Watch this. Recognize them. And as a matter of fact, I want you to, I want you to esteem those that are over you. In other words, Paul said, I want you to honor authority. I, I want to make a couple comments about this. I think that honoring authority is a lost art in our culture today. I think it's something that, that I, I grew up differently than the way in which our culture is today. I don't know about you. But we honored our coaches, we honored our teachers, we honored our parents, we, we honored the pastor or the priest, we, we honored political leaders. It's, it's almost like everybody's got a pass today to say whatever they want to take any pop in any given time. What are we communicating to the next generation? Paul said honor. Everyone say honor. Isn't that an interesting word? Honor those. Again, let me say this. I want to go on record and qualify. I know there's been abuses in leadership. There's been clergy and pastoral abuse. There's been political abuse. There's been abuse all across the board, and yet God still implements honor and authority. There's blessing and protection attached to it. There's favor attached to it. We honor those. It sets boundaries. It brings definition in the home, in the family, in the church, in culture. Yes, people have gone to extremes. Yes, there's been hurt. And yet Paul would say to this young church, make sure to keep that place of honor in your heart towards those that are over you. I'm so grateful for my pastor. I've got to actually two. I need a lot of help. Come on, can I have a big amen? <laughs> pastor Steve needs a lot of help. You shouldn't have clapped right there. But anyway... <laughs> pastor Jacob Aranza, who's my pastor, been 25 years. And pastor Jim LaFoon, about 22 years. And they preach once a year here. Pastor Jim will be here after Thanksgiving. And they also sit on our board along with a group of businessmen in our church. And, and can I tell you something? I, I, I don't always agree with everything that they say. By the way, to honor authority doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything. But it means that you keep them in a place of honor and esteem. There's been times where I've said, man, pastor, I'm just not sure about this, and I have discussion, and yet, at the same time, what I realize is that I'll always go back, and just like Paul would say to this church, there's, 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 a, there's a blessing. Matter of fact, there's peace in the family. There's peace in a church. There's peace in a community. When there's honor up, blessing comes down. There's a principle that I think that we have lost. People my age... Those that are older, let's make sure we're communicating. Baby boomers, Gen Xers, let's make sure we're communicating to the next generation the principle of honor to authority. Verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Whoa, that's a heavy word. Comfort the faint-hearted. Yes, 
and uphold the weak and be patient with all. Again, I've done about eight seconds so far. This is six, it takes 60 seconds for him to, read these, to, to write out these last ones, to read them. Number one, he says, warn the undisciplined. Two, encourage the faint-hearted. And three, strengthen the weak. Warn, warn the unruly. Warn the undisciplined. Some translators would call it lazy or the idle. Paul was concerned about this. You can read about it in 2 Thessalonians as well. Paul was concerned because there were some believers who had quit their job and they were living off of the generosity of other believers. And Paul said, warn them. In other words, he says, unless you're physically incapacitated. In other words, every, if you're an able-bodied individual, you've got to do your part. Paul was con concerned about this. Paul knew that God had given each one of them, as he has given us, gifts and talents and abilities. It's called the creation mandate. Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. God has created us as human beings to steward an environment. Work is not part of the curse. Work is part of glorifying God. The sweat of the brow is the curse, but God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities to honor God. And here's what he said. He says, warn those that remain idle when they shouldn't be. Those that are able-bodied should do their part. Interesting, the word warn. I know that's a little bit of a heavy word today. Maybe you can say coach. Everybody say coach up. We, we all need to be coached up. Isn't that right? When we get off track, we, we, we need somebody to tap us on the shoulder. Question, have you given anybody permission in your life to coach you up? Is there anybody in your life that, that matter of fact, Pastor Randy Craighead and, and Pastor Doug and the guys, and, and I have a small group of men that meet with me, and, and it's interesting, they'll, they'll, they'll coach me up, and they'll give me feedback on my message, on my leadership, things I'll say, and it's always, it's interesting, when Pastor Randy is really coaching me up, his lip gets thin. I'm like, all right, where are you going with this? Question, I'm asking everybody, have you given people permission to coach you up? Is there anybody that can speak into your life? Paul says, warn the undisciplined. Two, he says, encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage those that need to be encouraged. Those that have fallen upon hard times. Those that are going through situations. Watch this. Interesting. Discourage. In other words, courage leaves them. It's left the building. How do we come alongside as a church? Question, how do we come alongside people and encourage them? What does that mean? To put courage back in. Discourage means courage has left the building. Encourage means that we inject it back in. How do we encourage? Paul said, make sure that we are encouraging the faint heart. Part of the gospel ministry, part of being a follower of Christ is that we're an encouragement to believers. By, by the way, you guys know that's why we're so high on small groups at Church of the King. The reason why we're so high on small groups is because we really do believe that we're better together. I have a small group. You need to be a small group. We need brothers and sisters in Christ praying for one another. But pastor, you know, I just, I don't, it's not, I'm not sure about the small group thing. I mean, I like your teaching, but the small group makes me just nervous. I had somebody tell me that one time. You know, I go to, what if I go to a small group and it's just filled with weird people? And I said, just go to another one. Seriously, this isn't communism. You can like do whatever you really want here. And, and listen, and listen, but watch this, but watch this. You go to another one. Pastor, what if I go to another one? And people, I just don't connect. That's fine. Go to another one. What if it happens again? Then you're weird. You've got a problem. I just, at some point in time, there's only one common denominator. I can't, can I just be honest? 
Everybody say, we need one another. Paul said, encourage the faint-hearted. See, strengthen the weak. The weak can include those physically weak, financially weak, spiritually weak, those that are marginalized, those that are disadvantaged. We, we've got to strengthen them. Yeah, I, I believe it's part of our call as followers of Jesus to, to find those pockets of individuals, those people that, that are weak, whatever reason why, they're in a disadvantaged position and posture. And we come alongside and strengthen them. Not necessarily because of a circumstances, a circumstance. Maybe it's because of a position of life. How do we come alongside and help them? Matter of fact, let me give you one practical thing. I was so proud of you guys at Church of the Camp. I was so proud that we had people right after Hurricane Ida. Of course, we were. I was at the different campuses, my wife and I, serving and being a part. And there was a couple here that I knew had two trees through their home. And they were out working with Eight Days of Hope. By the way, I want to go on record. We are so grateful. Eight Days of Hope, who is a national organization that partnered with us, that helped to cut not hundreds, but thousands of trees off of homes all over our region. Can we just give it up for Eight Days of Hope? They're at our West Esplanade campus right now. We honor you guys, that whole team, the men and women that came from all across. And here's the point. We had Church of the King people that were in part of that. Why is that important? Because part of our call is to strengthen the weak question. Who in your world is in a disadvantaged position that you can strengthen? Paul says, warn the undisciplined. Encourage the faint-hearted and strengthen the weak. Verse 15, I'm just going verse by verse. We're at about 14 or 15, 16 seconds now, right? Takes one minute. Here he goes. He's dropping us off at college. Verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue. Everyone say pursue. Pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. And notice in the first century, the spirit-filled church had injustices it had to deal with, just like today. People had hurt feelings. People were wounded and and yet Paul said, pursue what is good, both for yourselves. By the way, when we give out and we help and we resolve things and we encourage people, you know what? It actually is a blessing not only for them, but also for us. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. If we'll seek to do good, good finds us. Pastor, I'm waiting for good to come to me. Have you sown good? There are, there's seed time and there is harvest. Paul said, Paul said, we've got to pursue what does it mean to pursue? It means to passionately pursue. It means that we engage with ardency and with passion. In other words, we really go after it. I think our culture is pursuing all but peace today and good. At times, people pursue division. They pursue strife. They pursue disunity. Do we pursue peace? Again, God has not called us to just be a peacemaker, a peacekeeper, but how about a peacemaker? A peacemaker is somebody that's willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved in other people's lives and resolve conflict and restore relationship. In other words, it costs us time. It costs us intentionality. It costs us energy. <sighs> yeah, we get our feelings hurt. Well, Pastor, what do we do when that happens? Well, listen, Paul understood something about this. He was in conflict with people all the time, and yet he sought to resolve those conflicts. He didn't leave the conflict just hanging out there. 
Matter, matter of fact, my coach, my high school coach, who I love, when the team would get into conflict, here's what he'd say. You go in that locker room, whatever you need to do, you get on the same page and you resolve that. But when you walk out of this locker room, we're one team. But wouldn't that be a good message to a community? Wouldn't that be a good message to a church? Come on, are y'all with me or not? Here's what we do. We get our feelings hurt. We take our glove. We go home. We quit. Paul says, pursue good. Now, Jesus brings it up higher. Look what he says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. I don't like this scripture. Is that all right as a pastor? Can I say that? I don't know if that's like legal or say, but I'm just saying it. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Persecute you. Man, that's a mouthful. Wow. Of course, that's Jesus. Wow. Hey, Pastor Steve, you ever get hurt by people? Yeah, I do. I do. Pastor Steve, what do you do? I'll tell you what I do do. One of the things I do do is that I'll pray for them. You know how hard it is to stay mad at somebody if you pray for them? By the way, and if that doesn't get out of my heart, I'll just, I'll, do, I'll try to write a note. I'll, I'll send a text. I'll send a gift. Pastor, we got, honey, didn't we get a gift from Pastor last year? Time out. It wasn't because I said, don't, don't read into that. In other words, let me tell you something. I'm going to steward my heart. Why? Because I don't want any garbage getting in this. Are you with me? Let me tell you, the quickest way, and listen, the quickest way to get the poison out, do good. Everybody say, do good. You pray for those that have hurt you. You pray for those that have spitefully used you. You send a gift card. You do something. In other words, you, in other words, you've got to send something good forth to make sure nothing bad stays in. Yeah. Wow. Paul said, Paul said, Paul said in Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Number one, what is he saying? All right, we're in about 18 seconds now. 20 seconds, stay with me. Number one, he talks about a right attitude towards relationships. Those in authority, we honor. Doesn't mean we always agree. We know there's been abuse, but we still have to honor the position of authority. God still sets authority in culture. So we honor. Number two, he talks about our relationship towards that what? Those that are unruly, those that are faint-hearted, and those that are what? Weak. And now he talks about a second attitude we need to have. Live with a good attitude in spite of your circumstances. I'm just going verse by verse. Look at verse 16. This is so good. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In, notice, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul says, rejoice always. What does it mean to rejoice? It means to be cheerful at all times in all things. I know there's times where I'm challenged with that. How about you? There's times where I'm challenged with that, where it's like, man, I just feel like, oh, this is a heavy. This isn't going the way I thought. This is not working out the way that I thought. This is not what I thought, when I thought, how I thought. I do want to make one qualification here. And I think this is so important and it's germane to understanding the scripture. Paul did not say, watch this, for all things. He said, in all things. 
I say this respectfully. I heard a pastor one time, and he was, it was really overwhelming me because he was talking about all of these tragic things that took place. And he says, and I thank God for that, and I thank God for that, and I thank for God. And, for, and I thought to myself, I don't believe that's what Paul was saying. I don't thank God for bad things, but I can thank God in bad things. There's a difference. I, I don't believe, listen to me, I don't believe all the bad things that are happening in the earth are assigned by God. I don't believe that. I believe we live in a fallen world. I believe we live in a cracked cosmos and there's a real devil that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the midst of anything that happens, in that I can thank God. Why? Because he's in control of my life. In that, I know God can work all things together for good to those that love God. So there's a big difference. I'm not going, I thank God for that tragedy. I thank God for No, no. It's I thank God in the midst of this. I don't understand it. I can't see it. But you're going to turn it around for my good and your glory some way, somehow, God. That's what I believe. So when you understand this, nothing really does happen to you. It only happens for you. One of my favorite scriptures in Jeremiah 29, 11. You, you guys have heard this, and I, I love this scripture. A lot of times we don't understand the context of this scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know, this Jeremiah the prophet is writing this. By the way, this is a refrigerator scripture. I know a lot of people have this. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful verse. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and hope. You know when God wrote that? Watch this. God moved on Jeremiah the prophet to write that to the children of Israel when they were in captivity. In other words, even when we make poor choices and we end up in bondage, God still has a great plan for our lives. Hey, I got a word for somebody. Even if you've got off the interstate and your life took a U-turn and you ended up where you didn't think, how I many you know God's got an on-ramp to get you back into his plan and his purpose? Isn't that cool? I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you peace, a hope, and a future. Paul says, in, everyone say in. If you'll understand the difference between for and in, in every circumstance, I can rejoice because God is working even when I don't see it. Paul said, number one, we've got to have a right attitude and a right relationship towards those around us, those over us, those that watch work with us and for us. Number two, we've got to have a right relationship with our circumstances. Number three, look at the third relationship, the third attitude that we need to have and a good relationship. Number three, we need to have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 19, live saturated with the Holy Spirit. Saturated with the Holy Spirit. I love verse 19. This is so powerful. Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Wow. Do not quench the Spirit. What does it mean to quench the Spirit? Pastor Steve, what does it mean to quench the Spirit? What is Paul saying? The word quench means to vex. It means, watch this, to put out, to put off, don't miss this, or to uninvite. Question, have you ever been uninvited to a party? That's pretty painful, isn't it? Honey, we going? I got the invitation. You ready? Oh, you didn't get the second part? We got uninvited. Do you know when you met 
Jesus is your Savior, you invited the Holy Spirit into your life. Do you know when you quench the Spirit of God, you know what you're doing? Here's what you're doing. Here's what we're doing. We're saying, you know what? I don't really want you messing with that area of my life. Here it is. Let me get, okay, let me get real practical. You're in a conflict with your spouse. You say something wrong. Watch this. Here he comes. Here he comes. You need to go repent. That wasn't cool. Here's an uninvitation. Get behind me, Satan. Let me tell you something. That's not the devil talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Y'all with me? In other words, the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. When we quench the Holy Spirit, what do we do? We Watch this. We shut our ears to the voice of God. We're walking by somebody at work. We're busy. We got things going on, right? Man, we're producing. We're at work. We're crushing it. We're killing it. And we walk by somebody, and they're hurting. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And go, 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 go talk to them. You got a choice. Here's the choice. Do I yield to the Spirit or do I quench the Spirit? What does it mean to quench the Spirit? It means we deny the Spirit's work in our life. Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Guys, I want to say this. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. And the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit of God that came into your life when you got born again, is the same Holy Spirit that wants to talk to you. He said, don't quench. Everybody say, don't quench. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. And then he goes on. He says, do not despise prophecies. What does he mean, do not despise prophecies? What is a prophecy? A prophecy is when God gives a fragment of his knowledge to an individual, watch this, to deliver that to another individual. In other words, God cooks the Domino's pizza. You and I are Domino's pizza delivery people. We are to deliver that to somebody else for them to eat it. Does that make sense? Okay, now watch this. Now watch this. A prophecy is when the Holy Spirit of God will give you a fragment of his mind about another person so that you can encourage them often to confirm what God's already said or to give them a unique perspective or unique insight. In other words, don't despise prophecy. Don't despise it. I, I want to say this. And, and we, we, I am so glad that the Holy Spirit is alive and well on planet Earth and the Holy Spirit is alive and well in Church of the King. Let me just say this. We believe that you and I, we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe the word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a discerning of spirits. Matter of fact, John the Baptist himself, here's what he said in Matthew chapter 3. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming afterwards. He will baptize you with the what? Say it, the Holy Spirit. You and I need to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, God wants to use our lives. That's, guys, that's when Christianity gets real fun, man. When God will speak to you. And God will give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. God, God, will, God, will, God will prompt you to lay your hands on somebody like, oh my gosh, should I really pray for them? And what's going to happen if something doesn't happen? What's going to happen if something does? Why not? 
don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Pastor Steve, has anybody ever given you a prophetic word that's been really good? I've gotten some great prophetic words that really inspired me. It was confirmation of what I know the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And boy, it was so good. It ignited something on the inside of me. There's been times I've gotten words that I didn't feel really lined up. But I don't despise prophecies. Because why? We all see through a glass darkly, Paul said. What am I saying by this? Let me just say this. If anybody ever gives you a prophetic word, and by the way, here's the plumb line, and it disagrees with the revealed word of God, then it may have been a nice thing, but it wasn't from God. Does that make sense? We always judge. We test. Everyone say test. We test any prophetic word or any gift of the Spirit that somebody says they're operating. We always test it against the plumb line of the Word of God. But we don't despise the gifts of the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. I thank God in my life where I'm learning to be more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'm just getting older. I don't know what it is, but man, I'm I'm listening. Hey, 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 hey. Maybe the stakes are just getting higher for all of us. Let me tell you what this culture needs right now. Spirit-filled believers that can speak the word of the Lord and can give a prophetic word into a situation that they may have no knowledge of. But I mean, God knows exactly what to do in that situation. How many of y'all would like to be used like that? Come on. And by the way, by the way, I want everybody to hear me at every one of our campuses. That's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the preacher. Yeah. Quench not the Spirit of God. What is Paul saying? Number one, we've got to have a right relationship. He's got about four, he's got about 10 seconds left, by the way. I mean, I mean, the, the, the kid's walking away. And you're like, oh yeah, by the way, number one, <laughs> treat those around you, be at peace, honor authority in all things. Give God thanks. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test it, but don't despise it. He's closing. You guys ready? Here it is. Here's what he says. Abstain from every form of evil. Boy, wouldn't that be a good word to kids going to college? Come on, are y'all with me? (laughs) Abstain from every form of evil. Pastor. Man, Paul, he kind of puts the bar way up high on this. Stay with me. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Abstain from every form of evil. How is that possible? Pastor, I'm in the world. It's everywhere. Stay with me. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify. What does that mean? Set you apart completely. May your whole spirit be set apart. May your whole soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions, may it be set apart. May your body be set apart. Set apart what? And be blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Don't miss this. This is it. Don't miss this. He says, he who calls you is faithful. But wait a minute. And he will also do it. Listen to me. I want everybody to look at me at every campus. Christianity is rigged. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a rigged deal. Ooh, the pastor's lost his mind. Time out. Listen to me. Everybody, look here. Every campus right here online, look at me. You can't live the Christian life in your own strength. You can only live it by the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He will do it. 
He will do it. He will do it. He will do it. Everybody say, he will do it. What does that mean? That addiction that's in your life? You can't break that in your own strength, sir. That hurt that keeps pulling you back, you can't get over that in your own strength. But he will do it. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He gives us the power to overcome that. It's the Holy Spirit. There were chains in my life. I couldn't turn over a new leaf, but he gave the power and broke it. It's his spirit in us. Look at me. It's Christ in you, though. There's only one person that ever lived the Christian life. His name is Jesus. That's why we need Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us. Christ by his spirit. Christ by his power. Christ by his resurrected life on the inside of us. Christianity is not a moral renovation where we just kind of really, this year I'm going to do better. No, this year, die and be resurrected with the power of Christ and let him do it on the inside of you. Ooh, pastor. Man, you're preaching now. I can't do this in my own strength. I can't be the man that I'm supposed to be in my own strength. I can't be the leader. I can't, I can't overcome sin in my own strength. Trust me, I tried for years. But he will do it. Listen to me, I'm talking to somebody right now. You've been fighting that addiction for a long time in your own strength. You can't break it in your own strength. There was things in my life I couldn't break in mountain, but he will do it. Everyone say, he will do it. What will he do? He will give you the power to walk clean. He will give you the power to abstain from evil. He will give you the power. That's Christianity biblical Christianity. How many of y'all grateful for the Holy Spirit? Come on. Y'all grateful? I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit. I want everybody to bow their heads. Man, I just sense the presence of God right now. I sense the presence of Almighty God. Every one of our campuses. Let's just bow our heads. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this church. We don't want to quench the Spirit. We don't want to despise prophecy. We don't want to despise Lord, what you want to do in and through our lives. Maybe you're in this place today and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus. I know there's thousands of people at all of our campuses, Baton Rouge, Biloxi, those on the South Shore, those in Bay St. Louis, those in Baton Rouge. And you're watching right now here at Little Creek. And, 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 and God has brought you here because he loves you. He's not mad at you. Some of you have tried to turn over a new leaf so many times. You, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. And yet you don't understand. It's not just being forgiven of your sin. It's yielding to God and living by His Spirit. And there comes a moment, yes, where we trust Christ as our Savior. So I'll begin step one. Are you at peace with God? Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never come to a moment where you said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me, wash me, and make me new. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to stand and come forward at any of our campuses, but right where you are, I am going to ask you to raise your hand. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me. I want to be at peace with God. Maybe you once had a relationship with God, but you've walked away. You've allowed the world, you've allowed the toxins of the world, the cares of this world to cloud up your life. And you, and you, you don't even know how you ended up there. You're just far away. 
And this is a day to come and rededicate your life afresh to Jesus. If that's you, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. At the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high so I can see it? One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, buddy. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, up top. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, hon, right there. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is here right now. Thank you, Spirit of God. Anybody else say, Pastor, count me in that prayer. I need Christ. I'm not where I need to be. God bless you. God bless you too right there. God brought you all here today for a reason. Yeah. Church family, let's pray with those that are praying the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Can we do that? Let's pray with them. Come on, all of us together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing message that Pastor Steve just gave. And we don't want to rush by this moment too fast without acknowledging those of you who made the best decision of your life, and that is to follow Jesus. Absolutely. You know, the Bible says that you've been raised from death to life. You are a brand new creation. And we would love if you would let us know some of your story, but also if you would give us the opportunity to pray with you as you begin this journey. You can let one of the hosts know in the chat room right now, and we would love the opportunity to pray with you in a live private chat room. And if you're just giving your life to Jesus right here, right now, and you don't really know what that means, we have pastors who are ready to answer any questions that you may have. So if you would do us a favor and text the word DECISION to 822-822, we would love to connect with you. Absolutely. Well, it's time to wrap up, and we are so excited because next week we start a brand new series. Pastor Steve's gonna be talking about breakthrough, releasing God's power in your finances. We're gonna talk about living a life free from anxiety when it comes to how to manage our finances. So we'd love to see you here the same time next week. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.